This week in agriculture, production of the Red River Farm Network with a look at markets. I'm Randy Conan. In the July supply and demand or WASDE report, USDA pegged 2023 corn production at 15.3 billion bushels on an average yield of 177.5 bushels per acre. Soybean production was estimated at 4.3 billion bushels on an average yield of 52 bushels per acre. New crop ending stocks of corn estimated at 2.26 billion bushels. New crop soybean ending stocks estimated at 300 million bushels. All wheat production estimated at 1.7 billion bushels with spring wheat production estimated at 479 million bushels. Durham production estimated at 54 million bushels. The all wheat ending stocks are estimated at 592 million bushels. Grain markets sold off following that supply-demand report. Northern Crops Marketing and Investments President Brad Paulson questions the yield numbers. There's really the yields they came up with really don't coincide with the very, very poor crop conditions that are out there. You know, by the by the uh, weekly crop conditions reporting system. But uh, those are the numbers that were dealt us, and we have to deal with them for now. Uh, we did see you know significant losses, particularly in beans and corn, down. Uh, 18 and a half in corn here and down 32, 33 in the beans. Comstock Investments market analyst Joe Camp says the soybean carryout was bigger than expected. And that was in part a result of the USDA not moving lower on that previous yield estimate at 52 bushels per acre. So more to come certainly. We know again in July we don't normally have yield changes. And now we're back to thinking about weather and what will be ahead for these next reports. Zaner Group Ag Hedge Lead Ted Seifred said USDA's willingness to go outside of the parameters to lower corn yields in that supply-demand report is something that should be taken note of. That should be looked at as being actually rather bullish, right? Because they went outside of their protocol to lower that yield. And so now that we've had a moment to think about this and, and the market has let the dust settle, I think we're looking at it in a little bit of a different light, <clears throat> light here today, Randy. And then, you know, put that together with the, the updated drought monitor that we, we have this morning, it hasn't gotten that much better. You still see a lot of drought indication uh, really all across the, the heart of the growing area, and so there's still concern. And while there are many questions surrounding the July acreage and demand numbers, Corn Belt Marketing market analyst Sam Hudson thinks USDA is trying to give itself a little wiggle room for upcoming reports. It was interesting to you know, kind of see USDA do whatever they need to do to make things work for now until we know a little bit more. You know, you look at the dynamics in corn and to see them not cut new crop exports at all, uh, but then turn around and, you know, shave, uh, you know, pretty big chunks out of the bean, uh, you know, demand. To me, that's just a signal they're just kind of creating space for themselves uh, in case they need to go backwards with, with bean yields. And I don't know if we can see that in an August report or not, uh, but I would say by September we probably have at least some sort of an adjustment. Weather is also a big influence in this market, but Advanced Trading Risk Management Advisor Tommy Grisafi is looking elsewhere. It's all about the American dollar. Came out of nowhere, kind of. Uh, you look at a dollar chart. If anyone needs to look, go look at a chart, go to barchart.com. Look at a dollar chart. Four big down days, seller, but we have a weak dollar. And the reason I can say that it's trading below 100, 99.50 on the dollar futures right now, which means commodities and goods that our clients, the people watching the show, grow, became on sale when you look at other countries. like The U.S. dollar is trading at its lowest level in 15 months. That's after hitting a 20-year high last year. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan.
For over 130 years, Farmers Mutual of Nebraska has been helping policyholders recover from the unexpected. With more than 1,500 independent agents in communities across the Midwest, experience the advantage of insurance kept local for your auto, farm, and home. Visit FMNE.com to contact an agent for a quote today and experience the difference of insurance kept local. Farmers Mutual of Nebraska, always alongside you. Listen to The Dry Bean Scene every Friday on the Red River Farm Network. Brought to you by the North Harvest Bean Growers Association, Johnstown Bean Company, Baristo Herbicide from BASF, SRS Commodities, and Heads Up Plant Protectants. We'll track this year's crop potential across the country and get industry perspectives on possible market impacts. It's the Dry Bean Scene, every Friday at 1235 on the Red River Farm Network. With a look at farm news this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Undersecretary Shoshidal Torres-Small was confirmed as the U.S. Deputy Secretary of Agriculture by the U.S. Senate this week. Small has served as the Undersecretary of Agriculture at USDA since 2021 and was also a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. The Senate Ag Committee previously held a confirmation hearing in May where Small talked about her background in agriculture. My own roots are both rural and urban, agricultural and international development, blue collar and white collar. And what I love about this department is that it brings all of those things together. The nutrition that fuels our lives means that we are all, each of us, connected to America's farmers. It's what connects all of your constituents in each of your states. And although I'm sure that your urban constituents may call with very different issues than your rural constituents, we're all connected by land, we're all connected by resources, and we're all connected by food. Small was confirmed by the Senate on a vote of 79 to 8 and expected to be sworn in this coming week. The powerful House Ways and Means Committee held a field hearing near Kimball, Minnesota this past week. Don Schiefelbein hosting the House Ways and Means Committee on his multi-generational family farm. Schiefelbein, who is a past president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, also testified saying trade agreements must be based on science. Almost always when you go into trade agreements, they push back on the very things that make food available for the poorest of the poor. And to me, that's a disservice for not only the United States farmers, but for the world. We've got to keep our eye on the ball and make sure that they, what they may label as a scientific notation is real and not just another means to say, we don't want your efficiently produced product. Glenwood, Minnesota dairy farmer Brad Vold is one of the five farm and rural leaders testifying before the Ways and Means Committee as well. Vold said it's important for the government to negotiate new trade agreements in key markets. Including Taiwan, Japan, Vietnam, others in the Southeast Asia and the Middle East. Vold emphasized the importance of enforcing the current trade agreements. U.S. Wheat Associates held their annual meeting this week. Chair Rhonda Larson finishing up her term. Larson says Mexico has proven to be a good market for U.S. wheat. Mexico is definitely one of our larger markets. They are selling quite, we're selling quite a bit of wheat that way. Our challenges, of course, whenever you get into Africa and those areas, it's not only that they need cheap wheat because they don't want to 
they can't afford it. But uh, just if you look at the map, logistically, if you look at, you know, everybody always talks about the Black Sea and, you know, oh, we, sh- we should sell so much more wheat because the Black Sea. Well, if you look at the map, we don't sell that much wheat there because of the logistics of getting it there. It gets too costly to ship it that far. As interest rates pushed higher, farm lending activity at commercial banks slowed during the first half of the year. The quarterly report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City said the drop was due to a lower average loan size and fewer farm loans compared to a year ago. As interest rates moved up rapidly over the past year, variable rates have become more common. CHS is reporting quarterly net income of $547.5 million. That compares to nearly $577 million during last year's record third quarter. For the first nine months of the fiscal year, CHS has net income of $1.6 billion and revenues of over $36 billion. That's a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. The annual Northwest Research and Outreach Center Crops and Soils Day is Wednesday, July 19th in Crookston. Registration begins at 7.30, tours start at 8. Speakers will highlight disease management in small grains, variety research, weed management, and drainage. The afternoon sugar beet tour includes the latest in sugar beet disease management. Crops and Soils Day will be held at the Maintenance Farm Operations Building south of County Highway 71 on the Northwest Research and Outreach Center campus. That's the Crops and Soils Day Wednesday, July 19th in Crookston. Serving farmers from Foston, Monoman, Ada, Crookston, and Thief River Falls to Jamestown, Langdon, Devils Lake, Castleton, Mayville, and Grafton. This is the Red River Farm Network. Agriculture is big business, and we cover it that way with markets, market analysis, crop progress reports, USDA reports, farm policy, and trade issues. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear about it on the Red River Farm Network. Go online or on your smartphone to rrfn.com. You can click on news, podcasts, radio stations, and more. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Mild temperatures and spotty rains will keep crop conditions in the northern plains in mostly good condition for the next few days. World Weather Incorporated says greater rain is still needed in the eastern Dakotas and Minnesota. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are expected in parts of the region through next Wednesday. Temperatures are expected to be in the 70s and 80s most days. Due to extremely dry conditions in parts of the state, the Minnesota Drought Task Force will begin weekly meetings. Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson says calls are made to share information with. The DNR extension, uh, FSA, RMA, and that we do that once a week where we're sharing information about what's available, what we're seeing uh, with our farmers and the A groups. But, uh, you know, we just, you know, fingers crossed to get some rain. But, you know, we're starting to get in pretty tough state. You know, 50% of the state now, Don, is in D1. So we'll see what it looks like on Thursday. Peterson says assistance may be available in the form of low-interest loans. It's not that farmers need another low-interest loan, but once a disaster is declared, uh, we have 0% loan, which is pretty good. And we saw a lot of use of that in 2022, uh, or 2021, especially when we had that really bad drought. So uh, we also uh, passed our drought bill and paid that out in 2022. So always looking to see what we can do to help our farmers. And south of Fargo, producers are starting to see problems caused by lack of moisture. Between Christine and Walcott, North Dakota, Justin Johnson says corn, soybeans, and wheat could use rain soon. You know, it started out pretty good. We got the rains that we needed, but since then they've kind of tailed off a little bit. We're sitting okay, but right exactly where the farm is has probably gotten the least amount of rain on our all the acres we covered. So the farthest away fields are by far looking like our best, but right around home, they're holding on, but, you know, we're definitely running out of moisture. 
Harvest conditions in southern Kansas remain dismal. Custom harvesting crew member Dean Caro says the Kiowa area went from drought conditions and less than five inches of rain since July last year to over 30 inches of rain since the 1st of June. They have so much rain down there they don't know what to do with. They got more green grass that they ever seen in most areas. So the quality of the wheat was good, but we had a lot of weeds that came through with all this moisture and uh Three weeks before we could get in the field there, some of the guys had to start spraying because otherwise you couldn't combine. I didn't know you could use the combines for a silage cutter because the weeds were so bad at coming out of the chopper and trying to get a good, clean sample. The grain was dry, but the wheat, the, the weeds made the grain wet, you know, so we're fighting muddy conditions. Caro says it's been a struggle for all of the harvesters. So we had 350 acres left to combine. And before that rain came in on the 5th of July, we're just thinking, I was just talking to Greg last night a little bit on the phone there, and he's thinking that week is going to be done. Because the biggest problem we got now is the weeds will be coming through again, and plus the quality and the test weight is going to be gone now. Crops for a Hallock, Minnesota farmer, Teresa Gilly, could use more moisture, but are holding up okay. So far, I think the fields are looking okay. Um, we've had some periodic rains, nothing real measurable except for maybe one. We've had some rains over the weekend, which were small, but really appreciate any moisture we can get. Wheat is going to be, I would say, a little less than average, and it's already turning and maturing, um, which is early. So I'm thinking that spring wheat harvest is going to be early August. But soybeans, they, they need a little bit more moisture but have some time. I think the corn looks really good. Um, but it, it all depends upon who got some rain and who didn't. And that's a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Outlook Herbicide from BASF provides superior control of the toughest weeds. I think this, these residual chemistries in sugar beets are the way forward because as we've seen this water hemp footprint grow, some of these fields they get pretty pretty messy uh, mid to late season and that's where this group 15 chemistry which Outlook is a part of is uh, going to be very instrumental in producing this crop moving forward. That's BASF District Sales Manager Ken Dybert. See your local retailer or BASF rep for more details. Imagine this, you gather a stadium full of farmers, step up to the podium, and tell them about your business. What would that be worth to you and your company? This is Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network. We fill that stadium every day with some of the most progressive-minded, forward-thinking farmers and ranchers around the world. Find out how the Red River Farm Network can carry your message to farmers and ranchers. We're the Red River Farm Network, and we're reporting agriculture's business.